Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fat Pod. Also known as a fiercely altered perspective. Hope everybody's had a good week. Hell yeah. I'm Ember. Hey, I'm Quinn. And today we're going to have a little bit of fun Yeah. as we start into a brand new three-part series. Well, yeah, a threefer. A threefer. <laughs> <laughs> and last week with our guest who, uh, Stephen Martin was the one that guessed it. And I'm hoping I'm saying your name right. If you pronounce it Stefan, I'm super sorry. <laughs> I don't know names very well. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. It's, it is Stephen with a PH, so maybe you're a doctor <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> i think he's pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> i love it um so yeah should we get right into it well sure let's do this all right So, Elmer Wayne Henling Jr. shocked Houston Heights and quickly the world in August of 1973 when the 17-year-old reported he shot and killed Dean Coral, the nice candy man of Houston, Texas. However, news quickly spread that Wayne and another boy, David Brooks, both of which were always seen with Dean Coral, helped him kill. They somehow got themselves tangled up in his web and over the course of three years brought Dean around 29 boys, earning Dean Coral a spot in New York Times stating it was, quote, the largest multiple murder case in U.S. history. He was the most notorious serial killer in the 1970s until John Wayne Gacy would take his spot by late 1970s with a confirmed 33 lives taken. Well, the sound that you just heard is Wayne's voice when he was speaking to his mother, and uh, that was desperation and relief of a young man who was finally free of one prison, almost welcoming another. How does two teens trade life in prison in order to be free from the one that they've experienced for years? Who really is Dean Coral, Wayne Henley, and David Brooks. How does Dean get 29 boys, mostly from the same town, and no one really looked into it, despite constant calls from desperate parents who knew that their kids didn't just run away? Also, how many other victims did Coral possibly take? Right. So these are some of the questions that we're hopefully going to answer as we go into our three-part case. Mm -hmm. Part one today is going to go over Dean Coral because we have to understand him in order to understand everything else and how he gets David Brooks into his grasp. Okay. Into his grasps. There we go. Part <laughs> two, <laughs> which we'll cover next week, will cover the murders and when Wayne came into play. And then our final part in part three coming out May 4th, We'll cover the end of Dean Coral, the trials, and everything that happens after. But we should note now that now that this is a painful case because the methods of, tor of torture are kind of hard to hear. Mm -hmm. uh, and this case has many elements that some of you guys might find familiar with our Snowtown case. Right. And so we're kind of going to jump right into it. We'll save announcements and other business that we have. You know, we have to talk about how... Uh, I've totally forgot what we have to talk about. We'll get it. We'll get to it at the end. It's, it's wrote down. Mm -hmm. Yep. One of those days. 
Alrighty then. Yeah, so let's go ahead and jump right into the story. This is actually one of my favorite stories because I have so many questions and so I can't wait until we're finally done with everything and then we can have our little like perspective sure. thing. Sure. Yeah. Well, Dean Coral went by a few names after his death. The Pied Piper, the Candyman, and the murders were known as the Houston Mass Murders. However, Dean Arnold Coral was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana to Mary and Arnold on Christmas Eve in 1939. His dad was a military man who didn't appreciate children and was often known to be too strict. So his mother Mary was overly soft on little Dean and in 1942, when he was about three, they welcomed another boy, Stanley, into the Coral family. Mm-hmm. So with drastically different parenting methods and Arnold's job in the Air Force, it led to many fights between the parents, which anybody can see why. Mm-hmm. And when Stanley was four and Dean was seven in 1946, so just after a year or a year after World War II ended, Arnold and Mary divorced. And Mary, however, she always wanted to have her sons to have a relationship with their father, Arnold, despite the fact that they could no longer be married. So when he was stationed to Memphis, Tennessee, she actually sold their old home in Indiana and followed him to Memphis so he could still be around, so he could still be around his sons as often as possible. Dean was a shy and driven child who kept to himself but uh, showed deep concerns for animals and people around him. In 1950, when uh, Dean, not dead. Well, I mean, that's kind of <laughs> where he ends up, so whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In 1950, when Dean was 11, he was having some problems in PE class. When Mary took him to the doctor, they found out that the boy had a heart murmur, something that came from rheumatic fever that went undiagnosed. He was sick the same year his parents divorced. Maybe they thought it was just the flu. Who knows? Right. Either way, this led to him not being able to participate in PE anymore, which for most 11-year-olds, that's... That's brutal. That's the end of the world, I mean. (laughs) Tell a little boy he can't go play outside. Right. I'll wait. (laughs) So the same year Dean's parents found out about his heart murmur was also the same year they decided to rekindle their relationship and they even got remarried. And Arnold was moved to Pasadena, Texas. So the whole family moved again with the same issues that they had before. This remarriage would only last three years. And when the boys and Dean was then 14 and Stanley 11, their parents separated again, this time finally. And since Arnold was in the Air Force, Mary had full custody of the children, but she always made sure that they maintained some sort of relationship. After some time, Mary would meet and marry Jake West, who was a traveling clock salesman. Mm-hmm. I would love to know the their story. Mm-hmm. You know, because anybody that knocks on my door, I don't want to marry them. I want to stab them in the face. <laughs> no, I understand that. But, you know, maybe it's like some of those videos that you can find on the interwebs that mm. have a little too heavy of a bass tone. And, uh-huh. uh, <clears throat> yes, lady, I'm here to clean your pipes. <laughs> <laughs> I brought pizza. <laughs> Lies. Wrong. Maybe. Maybe. Well, not long after this new marriage, they had to move again. This time to Vidor. I think so. We're going to go with it. And Sorry, in, Texas. Yeah. In 1955, Dean and Stanley would get a baby sister named Joyce. Mm. Dean was 16. Stanley was 13. No. Uh, no. That's a hard restart. No. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. <laughs> I could. No. Nope. I could not imagine starting over by that point. Right. Do you know uh, what sounds good? It's been 13 years. You know what I haven't changed in a while? A shitty diaper. And I haven't. And I've been able to sleep for a few years. Let's just go ahead and change that. And this right here is absolute proof that getting kicked in the testicles is worse than childbirth. (laughs) Oh, fuck you. (laughs) 
you never ever hear a man say yes please it's been 13 years kick me in the nuts would you <laughs> But here this lady is. I think it's time to have another kid. Nope. 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 It's proof. It's, it, this is proof. It's proof. Oh, children are painful, but we put up with a lot of shit. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You do? Shut up, because I was going to say I'm married to you, so <laughs> I know that you were going to turn that around. <laughs> Shut your face, mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a majestic mustache. It is. Mustache with Joyce with in the mix, the family was complete. And Mary and Jake made friends with the traveling pecan nut salesman. Mm, interesting. Yeah, door-to-door salesman must have some, like, secret bond handshake something. A wink. Who knows? If one's selling nuts, the other one's selling clocks. Right. Maybe that's a Maybe that's a typo. Maybe he was selling something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, this friend talks a couple into starting their own family business selling nuts. And after some planning, they decided to go ahead and open up their first business in their garage named the Pecan Prince. Ooh, fancy. Pecan Prince. So for you guys that say, Pecan? No. Um, that's a toilet. That's a pecan. <laughs> I mean. Sorry. <laughs> I mess up words more than anybody I know, so I should say nothing. I will be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so, with Dean being the oldest, he took the role as a mini adult. And while going to high school in Vidor, he's pretty much a loner. He dated a few girls. He played the trombone in the band. Dun, dun, mm. dun. Was it rusty? I'm sure it was. That motherfucker loved a rusty (laughs) trombone. You know it. You know it. Or you will. Anyways, he received great grades and he also helped run the candy shop. Work and school ran his life, which never left much room to socialize. And Dean and Stanley mostly ran the candy making machines and they would pack all the product. And then from there, their stepdad, Jake, would take the packaged product and sell it on his sales route. And he Jake spent a lot of of time traveling to Houston where their product was receiving the highest success rate. Deep down, Dean always knew that he was a homosexual and never had any desire for women. However, Mary was openly homophobic and Dean knew growing up it was very wrong. So he would try to date women, hoping that this would turn him around a little bit more and he'd become straight. Right. There was a couple accounts of uh, girlfriends Mm -hmm. or women in general that Dean was ever really around. Dean's stepfather, Jake, had even told Mary that he thought Dean may be gay of how he acted around younger boys. Mary completely ignored and grew to dislike Jake for saying that his son was, or, or that her son was gay. She would fight back saying he was good, loyal, obedient, and a normal boy. That he wasn't gay, he was just, or he had just seen too many broken marriages. Hmm, interesting. Well, Dean graduated high school in 1958 and he moves in with the family to Houston where they would be opening up a shop instead of working out of the garage. But in 1960, his mother Mary found out that Arnold's father father had passed away, so Mm ex-husband, leaving Arnold's mother without any help around the house. She quickly sent Dean off to help his grandmother. There he met and dated a woman while living in Indiana. She fell in love with the young, handsome Dean Coral from Texas and even proposed to him, which that is crazy for that time period, I think. However, he declined and in 1962 moved back to Texas to help his family with their growing shop. Perfect. In 1963, Mother Mary would end up divorcing Jake West. Jake would keep the pecan prints, but Mary would open up her own candy shop in Houston Heights called the Coral Candy Company. She makes Dean the vice president of the shop and lets him rent an apartment just above the shop. Dean always invited young boys and teens over to the candy shop to hang out and have fun. Many parents were suspicious, but when large groups of boys go over to or go over together 
and report no problems, they decide maybe Dean is just, well, a big kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a guy that works at a candy shop. Right. Whatever. <laughs> uh, however, within that same year of 1963, Mary got told something that she was not okay with at all. One of their employees at the candy company was a teenage boy who reported that Dean had been making sexual advances towards him. And this is something that will be important, especially when we get to part three and we hear comments of Mary later afterwards. Okay. It actually completely outraged the woman um, because it was somebody else that told her that her son might be gay. There might be quote unquote like a problem with her or with Dean. So how she responds to this and instead of trying to fix the situation, anything like that, she fired the teenager and she never spoke to Dean about it. Hmm. And even with that incident, because it was quickly covered up, called the little boy a liar, fired him, is what it is. Everybody still viewed Dean as like a good, wholesome, upstanding person. Okay. Mm-hmm. On August 10th, 1964, Dean was drafted into the army and assigned to Fort Polk, Louisiana, then to Fort Benning, Georgia for training to become a radio repairman. Finally, he gets permanently assigned to Fort Hood, Texas. While his time in the army would be short, his record was spotless and he he received high remarks across the board. It's also during this time in the army that Dean had his first homosexual experience and realized that he is in fact gay. However, Dean decides not to, or decides to leave the army and files for a hardship discharge stating that his mother needed his help with the family business. So after only 10 months in the United States Army, Dean was honorably discharged on June 11th, 1965. Dean actually came back to the Heights, but some reports made after his death said that his manner changed after he came back from the army. Some would say, quote, he was heavily possessed by homosexual tendencies and turned it towards the teens working at the shop, end Mm. quote. So something that we kind of took away with this is if reports like this always come out after people have facts, everybody's going to have an opinion. Everybody knows somebody personally within it, you know, and they kind of look for that five minutes of whatever. Sure. So while what is said, kind of, I mean, I don't think he was heavily possessed by homosexual tendencies. I think he was just a psycho um, and he did turn it towards the, the teens. I wouldn't say that that is necessarily fact. That sounds like a weird, very religious Texas person of the 70s, you know? Fair enough. And maybe it is right. I don't know, but... Fair enough. With Dean returning, he really kicks up his dedication to the candy company, maybe to fuel his newfound discovery of being gay or because Jake West was still running the pecan prints and Dean wanted to work around the clock to try to outperform his ex-stepfather's business. Either way, the fact remains that Dean had zero social life outside the Coral Candy Company, rarely ever seen in public with anyone other than the teens. So in late 1965, the family moves the candy shop to 22nd Street, directly across from the elementary school, the Helms School. Dean would take pecans that were up to protection standards and gave them out to elementary school children, especially the boys. With being the pleasant man who gave candy to the children, Dean was kind of given the name even before his death of the Pied Piper or sometimes be referred to as the candy man or the man with the candy. Okay. And some reports had said that it was getting to be too much that the school had to kind of ask him not right to do that because of traffic okay you know sure well to entice these boys for, uh, over for more free candy dean turned the back of the candy shop into a cool hangout spot for the teen boys as we will find out later in this case dean was probably doing this or doing these killings long before the three years that we know about it's easy to assume during this time that he'd already been abusing the young teens and disposing of their bodies in unknown 
locations. The back of the shop contained a pool table, or pool tables, couches, and snacks, along with booze and weed, a very expensive habit for Dean to have. However, while he was bringing these boys up on a daily basis, he has had his eyes on a, eyes set on a particular boy. Mm-hmm. So David Owen Brooks was just a kid at the elementary school when he first met Dean Coral as he was handing out some of the broken pralines. David was known to be a weak kid, so he welcomed the warmth that Dean gave him, something that was very rare in his home life, apparently. David's dad always pointed out how David was small, weak, and almost a waste. His father usually noticed his flaws and never really gave him praises when they were due. Dean was completely opposite of his father. Dean never made David feel like a failure, and he certainly never made fun of him. Much like James Valkus with John Bunting, David viewed Dean as the father that he you know, that could do no wrong. David started to take Dean up on his offers and hang out around the shop and started spending less and less time at home, something his father never seemed to complain about, as he was working full-time and rarely home anyway. By 1967, Dean and David were almost inseparable, going to the beach with other boys going down to South Texas and giving David cash if he needed it, also letting the kids crash at his house. So Dean was 28 and David was just 12 at that time, uh, something that some noticed to be odd. However, it was a kid from a broken home hanging out with Dean, someone the community viewed as a good role model. Mm-hmm. So things seemed to be going well for Dean. He got to be around all the teen boys all he wanted, which fed some of his sexual desires that I'm sure he was keeping in his head or ones that we don't know if he actually acted out on at the time. And now he has his own little thing that seems to love him too. His own little project, pet, whatever you want to call it. Right. However, in June 1968, Mary announces that she's closing down the Coral Candy Company and moving with Joyce to Colorado. So this would be the last time Dean will ever see his sister or his mother again. And his brother Stanley may have stayed around, but it's kind of hard to find anything about Stanley at all. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, some speculation or rumor that Mary could see the things that were happening around the candy shop and with her homophobia, she closed the shop so that Dean wouldn't have access and she moved away so that she didn't have to see it. Other rumors is she left for a fresh start, three failed marriages, and now closed down candy company provided the excuse that she needed to get away. Both of these could easily be true. However, Dean didn't have to worry about his mother showing up at bad times. So with the Coral Candy Company closed, Dean had to set out to find another job and ends up getting a job as an electrician testing relay systems at the Houston Lighting and Power Company. The one bonus of this job is that he could get all the free paint he wanted. So with free paint, you can offer that to kids so they can come and get high by huffing them. Hmm. In 1969, after two years of having David around almost daily, and he was now 14 and Dean was 30, Dean shifts his focus on their relationship from father and son, the one that David imagined, to a very much more sexual one. Over the past few years, Dean had showered David with love, bonding, affection, money, food, and a place to sleep. It was obvious Dean loved him, so how could Dean show, or how could David show Dean how much he loved him too? By allowing Dean to give David blowjobs. Alright. It's not gay if you're receiving a blowjob, and in exchange, Dean would continue to buy David things and give him money when he needed it. Mm -hmm. So that's his 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 mental persona. 
perception. That's how he's looking at it. And that's probably what he's telling right, David. Right. What Dean's telling David and how it's how it's coming across is, hey, man, you're not gay. I am. It's okay. Don't worry about it. So mm-hmm. maybe they're not disappoint Dean the same way David disappointed his own father. He agreed to this new relationship. So something changed after Dean turned 30 in December of 1969. The once happy Dean now seemed to have taken a sudden shift in attitude. He was hypersensitive and just kind of depressed. No doubt he was plagued with the disturbing thoughts he had in his own mind, but he was also growing older, meaning it would be harder to continue his pleasures. And he would always ask, he was very specific about his looks. He wanted to look Mm -hmm. young, proper, whatever. Right. And on top of all of that, David's mother, who had been divorced from his father, was moving to Beaumont, which was 85 miles or 136 kilometers from Houston Heights. So now David would have to go to Beaumont and out of the Heights. Okay. So to throw a little curveball onto this, everybody has that one birthday Mm -hmm. that is hard for them. Mm -hmm. Mine was when I turned 30. I don't know why. I don't have a valid answer. I think a lot of people struggle with 30. I've heard that from numerous people. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. It just... It is what it is. It is. Yeah, it is what it is. It wasn't that anything in particularly bad happened or anything like that. It was just, I didn't want to turn 30. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Here I am a couple of weeks away from turning 40 and I'm just looking at it going, eh, Meh. whatever. Maybe, maybe it's because at 30, you should like, that's when you think of a 30 year old, you're like, yeah, they're responsible. Oh no, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, in most cases at 30 years old, you're, you know, in, in, in society's mind at 30 years old, you're supposed to be married. You're supposed to have kids. You're supposed to have a proper education. You're supposed to be well into your career. You're supposed to, you're supposed mm-hmm. to, you're supposed to, you're supposed to. I was 30 years old making good money working my ass off in the oil field not married no kids lots of toys mm-hmm. and i had fun don't get me wrong but i definitely did not fit the social norm and so i think that like subconsciously was part of my deal on man i'm 30 years old and well in my mind i have my shit together but in society's mind i'm a failure mm-hmm. so I, you know I, I don't yeah you weren't but yeah i get what you're saying yeah, i know I, what context you're meaning i don't know i don't know why but yeah when i turned 30 that was <laughs> that was a rough one for me. I bet. But. Yeah, I don't care about my age. <laughs> I never have. I secretly think I'm like 95 anyways. <laughs> so maybe once if I ever get to that point, then I'll be like, wow, I made it this far. Right. Interesting. <laughs> well, every single visit David had back to the Heights to see his dad, he spent a few days at, uh, days at a time with Dean Coral. Within a few months, David moved back to live with his dad so he could also be around Dean. One time when David came down to Dean's apartment he walked in on a horrible scene he saw dean coral brutally raping two boys that he had handcuffed to a plywood board this quote torture board was about three feet wide by seven to eight feet long with handcuffs or ropes on all corners seeing david dean quickly jumped up and rushed over to david saying he was just having a little fun Mm-hmm. David was obviously upset, and Dean goes on to say that he's actually in a, quote, gay sex ring, and he gets to have his fun, and then these boys get shipped off to California, where someone else will have their fun 
on as well. Also, if David would keep Dean's secret, kind of like the uh, Dean giving David blowjobs thing over the last year, mm-hmm. Dean would buy him a pretty green Corvette for his 16th birthday. Right. So, David, for whatever reason, agrees to stay quiet, and sure enough, Dean bought David that car he wanted. Hmm. However, Dean had another offer. $200 for every boy David could bring him. If he brought another kid, it kept David off the board and more money in his pockets. Silence was critical over the next few years. Dean also had his own girlfriend, Betty, who couldn't know about Dean's secret life. However, later, Dean would tell David that he killed the, the that he had killed those two boys that he had walked in on when he saw him strapped to the boards. But he doesn't tell him that until later when he's going to need it for whatever reason. Hmm. Maybe if David was giving him hell or whatever. Sure. Well, the first victim that we know of was a college freshman from the University of Texas, 18-year-old Jeffrey Conan, who on September 25th, 1970, was hitchhiking from college to his parents' house in Houston. He was never seen again. A few years later, in August of 1973, after the death of Dean, David took the police to Jeffrey's body, who was buried at the High Island Beach under a large boulder. Forensics findings told a gruesome story. Jeffrey was found covered with a layer of lime, wrapped in plastic, naked, bound at the hands and feet, and obvious signs that he had been raped and mutilated. He also was gagged with a cloth that was shoved into his mouth and caused the death or the cause of death was manual strangulation. Jeffrey is also one of the Dean's oldest victims. However, he was a smaller guy for his age, so perhaps Dean figured that he was younger. Given the advanced stage of how Jeffrey's body was taken care of after his death, leads anyone who learns anything about a case to realize that this is only the first body in a timeline given by David Brooks and Wayne Henley later. Mm -hmm. But in no way do I believe, or you believe, or probably any (laughs) believe that that could be Dean Coral's first kill. Right. Not only that, but Dean had also told David that he had killed those other boys before, which would have been a double homicide, not something that a beginner would usually do on purpose. Right. Especially if he got walked in on in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Like that takes a certain kind of person to be able to be calm, cool, and collective and know that that teenager is not going to say shit. Right. So, and the very next murder would also be a double homicide. Okay. So, I mean, even if we're going to say, let's say that Jeffrey was the first person mm-hmm. to immediately jump to a double homicide the very next time, like that's quite a... That's a hell of a jump. Yeah. Right. Almost a month after the murder of Jeffrey Conan on November 17th, 1970, Dean Coral purchased a metal boat shed, much like a storage shed, is located in southwest Houston. The very shed police would later discover to be the graves of over 20 male teens. Mm-hmm. After purchasing the boat shed and grooming an accomplice, David would lure 11 boys in one year for Dean Coral before Elmer Wayne Henley Jr. comes into the story. Next, we will, next week, we will get into the first set of murders David helps with, along with the true horrors that happen behind closed doors. This would be the reason Dean Coral would end up moving many times in the next three years. Neighbors can only see a group of young boys always at his house, and then later some of those same boys go missing. Moving helped keep his secrets, but secrets can only be kept for a short amount of time. So now we kind of know about Dean Coral, his early life, and we know a little bit about David Brooks. 
So now we can kind of sit and think, was there anything within the story that we know that would indicate or tip people off about Dean and his secret life? Mm-hmm. You know, is there anything in his in his early life? A lot of people try to look for, you know, the McDonald's triad, the bedwetting, fire starting, right. abuse to animals, that kind of stuff. And there isn't really anything that we know about that. So from all accounts, he sounds like he had a fairly normal childhood, mm-hmm. you know, but there are things. I have a problem with Dean's mom and we'll get into it more as the story goes on. Sure. But she was faced with certain things way before these boys were ever even been known to be in the picture yeah you know she had the one boy that came to her her jake west her ex-husband thought that there was something going on a lot of people thought that it was weird that an older guy was hanging around specifically with boys and that he was kind of acting weird around them right you know it was giving them a weird gut feeling but she she was also incredibly religious mm-hmm. and so in her mind it that just couldn't be a thing sure i think that's that's kind of like how i'm taking it and especially if if his dad was you know if he really didn't like children or whatever because all of these stories none of them are coming from dean right we don't know yeah this is all hearsay this is all it's not speculation but it's it's taking someone else's word mm-hmm. well and dean's mom later kind of blames david and wayne for everything that happens and that dean was just a victim in it oh is good. the kind of right way that she goes about it but you know in the same breath everybody else is also saying you know dean was a good guy he was a clean cut right well respected right you know and especially during that that time you know because all these all these teenagers of the 70s were part of that quote-unquote hippie movement and all of that kind of stuff but they were hanging around a guy that was clean cut had a job seemed to be doing well Mm -hmm. you know he had a girlfriend who had kids nobody suspected anything right and for some people after everything comes out they still couldn't believe that dean did anything wrong mm-hmm. and so it's just it's interesting because you find over time that sometimes the people that look to be the the ones that you'd be like i'd never ever suspect right ever 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 no way you're lying sure can be some of the ones that have the worst secrets mm-hmm. so <laughs> <laughs> well and it's it's interesting to me to see how society has changed on how they look at certain things mm-hmm. and how geographically some places still are like this oh yeah to this day 2018 mm-hmm. some places are still like this on oh no 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 we we do not allow the homophobic people or you know not the homophobic yeah. but the homosexuals yeah. we, do, we do not allow the homosexuals in our neighborhoods they mm-hmm. are of the devil yeah you know what? Yeah, you can't be like that. Uh-uh. Because guess what? If God made everybody in his image, if we're going to go with that, is that kind of like saying, oh, I'm going to make so many people mad. Is that kind of like saying God is a schizophrenic? Because everybody is different. <laughs> but if here we're, we're created in his image. Right. I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> I'm have just, fun with that, Fappers. Sorry. <laughs> I like to say things to stir the pot sometimes. Right. But. You know, there are places to this day that are openly welcoming Mm -hmm. that, hey, man, be who you are. Do what you do. 
don't worry about it. Just come in. As long as you're a good human being and you're a good person, we'll, we'll accept you for what you are. Mm-hmm. There's other places that are not. They're the polar opposite of that. That if you don't toe the line and you don't do exactly what's expected of you and you even have a thought, a thought, mm-hmm. not an action, but a thought mm-hmm. of something that could be deemed um, unholy, sacrilegious, however, whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't you let that little boy wear anything pink. He'll grow up and be a homo sex. Right. I've heard that fall out of so many people's mouth. I'm like, I don't think you understand. Yeah, okay. you don't. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> that's not how this works. That's <laughs> not how any of this works. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I don't know. I I don't either. And weird thing kind of shifted is I want to know more about David Brooks because he basically was even quiet after everything happens. Right. You know, and David was actually dragged to the station for confessions later, which we'll get into probably more in part three. He dragged his son down. It's like, no, I know that you knew this guy. You're going to tell him everything you know. Right. So, I mean, I want want to know how bad it was really in that house Mm -hmm. for David to find comfort in the arms of a person like Dean Coral. Right. Right. Because, yeah, if I was in David's shoes and I walked in and saw what was going on, deuces. Ghost so hard. Deuces. The first thing I would do is, well, probably go talk to the cops because, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you've been getting blown by this dude for a year, but. You were also, what, 12, 13, 14? Right. At the time? Like, right. You know, so you can tell how e- Dean, there's so many things within me that wants to call Dean stupid motherfucker and like all these things because I don't like him. Sure. But it has to take a special person, I guess, to be able to groom somebody else that way. Mm-hmm. Because David was there through almost every single murder. There's like, I think, three that happened that he wasn't there. Right. You know? Right. And he helped 11 before there was even a second accomplice. And there's just, oh, man. Like, I f- you, you'll get so many mixed emotions when it comes to people like David Brooks and Wayne Henley the same way that you kind of have mixed feelings when it came to uh, James Valkus. Right. You know, it's so, it's so hard because the way that I try to look at it when I'm looking at any case, accomplices, serial killers, whatever, is I want to try to find that spot where somebody snaps or that spot. Like basically how I view it is, is there a point, is there stipulation or whatever that you have talked about in your own head where you could go and turn off and kill somebody? Right. Everybody has that moment. You know, we all know where that line is. And if you don't know where that line is, you should probably find it out. Mm -hmm. It's important so you don't snap and then find it out the bad way. Right. So we did have to take a little bit of a break and I totally forgot where we were even talking because we're just bullshitting at this point. (laughs) Yep. Sorry. Duty calls with my actual for real job. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it it happens. You know, going back into what I what my little pea brain's rolling around about right is listen to your kids talk to your kids mm-hmm. you know pay attention and i get it and especially in in this day and age where everybody has a phone in their hand or a, a laptop in their lap or something whatever you know mm-hmm. we we as society are so wrapped up into our own world mm-hmm. that sometimes we forget our responsibilities and this is not me lecturing this is not me teaching because 
because I am the most guilty of all. Oh, me too. Me too. I'm guilty as sin. That's why lately, if you haven't seen us around that much on social media, that is why, you know, we're just trying to disconnect. We're, right. We're trying to actually be parents. And, and <laughs> we're I, trying. <laughs> I get it. You know, everybody lives obviously in their own little world and, and they do their own little deal in our little world from late october november to and through march it gets cold here it mm-hmm. gets real cold here and so people want to say that there's no such thing as cabin fever <laughs> bullshit oh yeah there's definitely cabin fever right but you know getting way off topic here no it's okay that's what this is for right now right but we when it does start getting nice and it does start getting you know springtime and there's warm sunshine not just false sunshine but actual warm sunshine deceptive bitch right (laughs) decepticon right it we like to go outside and, and with our three little ones we're going on bike rides and we're going on walks and we're jumping on the trampoline and we're we're doing all kinds of different things and we're getting outside we're being active mm-hmm. and you know it, it's kind of uh, it's it's counterproductive for doing a podcast to have a family but <laughs> yeah. mean, we're juggling them both pretty fair pretty we well. like challenges oh you know absolutely <laughs> absolutely but with that we still sit down and we talk to our kids and our kids are little mm-hmm. you know but we talk to them and we listen to them and we ask them how their day's going and we ask them how school's going and and stuff like that and mm-hmm. and that's an important part be there for your kids mm-hmm. because exactly what we're talking about here ties directly back to this case. If you're not there for your kids, someone else will be. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, hopefully it's a good someone else. It's a good somebody. And it's not a motherfucking Dean Coral. Right. A creep. But yeah. I just, I would love to know. Oh, I just, I wish, I wish I could have talked or Dean Coral could have talked after everything came out. And I'm not sad with the way things turn turn out, which everybody else will find out. Or if anybody else has heard the story before, you'll know. But I would love to find out because he, he said that when he went to, when he went into the military, he found out that he was a homosexual. Great. And he had gay friends when he he came back okay great but he never did anything with quote unquote his gay friends that were around his age he definitely liked to prey on young teenage boys he which has nothing to do with homosexuality right no the, it, he's a predator mm-hmm. he is absolutely a child predator so i want to know you know where did he really start getting those thoughts and you we don't know anything like we the, the parts of what we know in his early life are the are the parts that were told by either you know little bits that david or wayne remember or mm-hmm. some other people you know but his mom of course is never going to say anything bad right his sister was way too young mm-hmm. and after all this stanley was like fuck everybody don't talk to me yeah he turned into a ghost and i don't blame, blame him, him? Not no right. and and that's one thing is with this story as as we go on and as we talk and you know there might be times where we might say something super off-colored or you know whatever and it's in no way disrespect to victims or anything like that there are a lot of families that even after this happened even decades decades still 
to this day. Still to this day. They are stuck in 1973 when they found out that their boy was actually dead. Right. You know, and there's there's going to be a lot of mix-ups that happen. Boys get returned to wrong families. It's mm-hmm. very it's very hard for a lot of people to talk about. Some people don't want anybody telling the story. Other people want everybody to know the story. Right. You know, so we're going to try to handle it as as best that we can, you know, and mm-hmm. you you'll be able to understand all all the hurt. Oh yeah. From all angles. People are going to be pissed off at the police for not doing the police work. The police are going to be pissed off because they could only do so much. Right. People are going to be mad at the teens for doing what they did. People are going to be mad at Dean and feel, you know, feel sympathy for these two. Like it's very it's very hard and that's kind of why we're ending it a little bit early on this episode. Next episode is probably going to be our biggest one because we're going to try to cover all of the murders that happen. At least that we can tie down. Yeah, at least the ones that we know about. Right. But with this episode, we kind of want people to kind of think and digest, I guess. Right. Think about Dean Coral, his early life. Think about David Brooks because you also have to think about this was a young kid Mm -hmm. and, you know, he was bringing his friends to this guy knowing what was going to happen to him bringing lambs to the slaughter yeah and he and he knew but how bad was it for david to get to that point right you know like i was trying to say earlier we all have our lines we all know well i shouldn't say we all know but a lot of people know if these things were to happen to me Mm -hmm. could i do these type of things or if somebody had whatever over me would I be willing to do this? Your line may be a lot further than what theirs were. Yeah. By, you know, duh, of course. Sure. But that's still, that's just where in their head, that was their line. Right. You know, and you can't expect much from a teenage kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I have so many conflicting things because there'll be times where I feel so much for David Brooks or Wayne Henley. And then other times I'm like, ooh, choke him out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I don't know how to feel about it yeah and yeah i just i don't know that makes a pair of us that makes a pair of us but hmm. Mm. talk to your kids Mm -hmm. and and the the style of life during that time was also completely different you know and a lot of people will talk about how they didn't expect any you know they didn't expect anybody to be dead necessarily because there were so many so many teens during that time that were just up and leaving fuck this sure i'm going out i'm doing my own thing Sure. I want to keep my long hair. I want to do these things. And, you know, they're not letting me do it at home. Right. But, you know, then in a lot of cases, none of these boys were ever like that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a good case. It's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. It's going to be interesting, especially when you hear all of the excuses that police will tell or, you know, what what most of us will feel as an excuse. Right. You know, it's, it's going to be really hard, but try to keep super open about everything mm-hmm. and not well and and like you said with the police mm-hmm. by no means are we police bashing not no. by any means no and we'll get into that later we'll we'll explain that more coming up but there's there's a lot of people that put a lot of blame on the police but they don't take into consideration what what they were going through what the police were going through mm-hmm. as far as staff as far as location as far as training as far as mm-hmm. ability so i mean yeah there there 
There's only so, so much. Right. Everybody's so eager to point fingers and say, it was you. You did this. You did that. Mm-hmm. The only real finger that we can point on this is to Dean Coral, mm-hmm. David Brooks, Wayne Henley. Right. Those are the only guaranteed fingers we can point at. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's, well, why? Right. You know, so. Right. Well, and, and you know, pl- people will have to take into consideration with police, not only staff and everything, but also the time period, what could have been happening in the houses, you know, how many other people were always being reported missing, but show up later. Right. You know, there's so many, there's so many elements in it. And then there is elements where the police obviously didn't give two fucks about it. (laughs) Sure. You know, and so you can. Well, and and with that, again, take into consideration early 70s hippie movement. Mm -hmm. How many teenagers in the early 70s were Well, look at how people viewed certain things. Like even, even think, okay, think Texas 70s and, you know, kids wanting to smoke weed, have long hair. Right. You know, you have to take in geographically as well. Oh, no. Into this case. And again, also with not pointing fingers, not anything like that. We're not blaming Texas by any means. No, no. Not by any means. I got lots of good friends down in Texas. Yeah, there's lots of cool things in Texas. Everybody has their, you know. Right. It it just, it's, okay, take this, take this and put this in your little brain. You take a dude from Texas, drop them off in Times Square. Take a dude from Times Square, drop them off in Texas. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Have fun with that. They're both going to hate it. Right. It, it, it is. Just different people. Right. It, at first, they're going to be like, wow, look at this. This is really cool. And by the end of the first day, they're going to be probably so homesick for for how different everything else is around them Mm -hmm. that they're lost Mm -hmm. you know and so yeah or either either the complete opposite and they'll be like fuck yeah i'm never leaving this place but most of the time it's the other way oh yeah (laughs) so just i mean you gotta and when i'm saying you i'm i'm saying all of us yes we have to look at this through many different sets of glasses Mm -hmm. you know and even if you don't wear glasses put them on (laughs) put them on you're you're gonna need them you're gonna need them absolutely but there's there's so many whys hows Mm -hmm. what's yeah you know the well and fun there's gonna there's fun little facts in here you know like earlier in the very beginning we talked about john wayne gacy comes in later Mm -hmm. right and john wayne gacy will even say that he learned a couple of things from this story that will that will tell you know he took he took pages out of these books no shit Uh uh-huh and you know their their methods were kind of the same you know dean liked young dean boys mm-hmm. so did gacy uh there's also always been heavy speculation that gacy had accomplices sure which makes sense much like how dean does right you know then they they kind of the funny thing that i've always found is they always bring up this quote gay sex ring right throughout this whole case but after the case is kind of closed after they find most of the bodies they completely shut it down nobody looks into a gay sex ring nobody looks into other places even when you have wayne henley screaming at them telling them there's there's more this way there's more that way there's these names there's whatever right you know which will of course get my little brain into conspiracy theorist mode (laughs) sure and being like hmm so who else was in on this oh yeah was dean coral the only one that was raping these boys too or did he have some friends that would come over over as well that weren't teenagers mm-hmm. you just uh, it's so it's so 
fun and that's weird but it's fun to sit down and play all the different what ifs oh absolutely because once you start playing what ifs then you start looking at things totally different oh fuck the what if rabbit hole oh is yeah the size of the grand canyon or bigger <laughs> and once you find once you fall into that what if hole i have come out with some different perspectives that i was like wow i am crazy for even thinking that <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Right? Fair enough. But yeah, it's going to be important to keep try to keep as, as open mind as possible. Just kind of absorb. Sure. And then go from there. Because also, you know, I know that there's times where I feel so much for the teen boys. You know, they were taken. They were put in very hard situations. Right. Very hard situations for even an adult to be in. Let alone you take the... I don't know, the lostness of being a teenager. You know that feeling? Oh, yeah. And you're just floating. You don't really know what the fuck to do. You're you not a kid. You're not an adult. You can't talk to your adult, your parents about it, most of the cases. Right, right. You know? So you're just kind of like, fuck it. I guess I'll try this. And then, you know, he, they ended up in a bad situation. But, of course, they also don't have Dean Coral to tell a story. So they can also tell a story however they want to. Mm-hmm. And they can try to, you know play hard on their on their early lives or how they could get into that situation or they can you know kind of make things look if they want to (laughs) however they want they don't have anybody that can fact check them right right so you're just like fuck how Mm -hmm. are you supposed to feel (laughs) right no i i understand Mm -hmm. i understand completely Mm -hmm. which i could i could sit down and name off different serial killers and um decide if i if i can under understand or even respect them in any sort of way right but i mean yeah i don't know this will be a this will be a case and it is this is gonna be a shorter episode sure because of you know just times and all sorts of stuff that we have for today right but yeah so on a totally different note yeah can i tell you about my buddy bill wilkins sure my buddy bill wilkins is a random guest sometimes that shows up Mm -hmm. on the brohio podcast oh and the boys from Brohio, Rob Dog, and mm-hmm. the delicious Nicolicious. <laughs> delicious Nicolicious. <laughs> <laughs> throw down a pretty kick-ass podcast, if I do say so. Mm-hmm. I uh, stay caught up, stay current. Um, man, they're <laughs> it's good business. It they're funny. Abs- they're raw. Oh yeah, I like them. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I will throw a disclaimer in. And sorry, boys, I'm not trying to step on your toes, not by any means. But if you're not fond of poop jokes, mm-hmm. I mean try it out <laughs> obviously i'm gonna say try it out because i think it's fucking hilarious <laughs> i love these guys oh inner toddler always wins right but if you are one of those stick up the ass kind of people that don't like dick and fart jokes you won't like bro you probably won't like you probably them. don't even really like us yeah, i mean if really. you don't like us well that's your loss cause... because i would love to know our bro <laughs> opinion on mother mary and jake the traveling clock salesman right so uh. the boys at bro actually yes. just did a live show last week i think so and uh yeah it's pretty damn good business mm-hmm. pretty Bro, good. they're almost at they've almost been out a year now hell yeah yeah it's crazy kicking ass and taking names one zima at a time right one zima at a time <laughs> absolutely but i i think they're hilarious i mean uh i've we've known them since basically they right their inception yes from this thought from inception conception Incep- fucking inceptions one of those <laughs> 
one of those words that I should know because I promise I can be smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just... uh, true story because, uh, yeah, we're doing this podcast because of you, so. no 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 but i definitely uh love them they are funny they've actually covered a lot of cool stuff like they know their stuff oh yeah they they just like to have fun absolutely and um i was going to say something else about the boys bro ohio men's but now i can't i can't remember i would love to hear their their perspective on a traveling nut salesman though (laughs) uh yes yes so nick and rob if you would please tell us about your traveling nuts would you (laughs) tell me how would you sell your nuts shorn or fuzzy (laughs) (laughs) excuse me sir would you like some of my nuts um i got salty salty nuts You know what? You would have to sell them hmm. in like a bag that looked like a ball sack. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. We have some <sighs> of those. Yeah. We have a roo sack. We, we do have a hanging roo sack in our room. Not only, well, we have our stuffed good luck roo sack. It needs a name. But we also have that leather pouch made of kangaroo. <laughs> Scroat. <laughs> Which will hold $6 and quarters if anybody's wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I had to test it. Okay. Right. All right. Well, so if you're interested in some of the Fat Pod merch, go check us out at T Public. Yes, we're over at T Public. I think slash the Fat Pod. I'll have the link in the show description. So if you just scroll, you'll see it there. Right. Um, also, we need merch ideas. Right. To make something cool. Hell yeah. And huge shout out to Brian and Chris for they're the ones that made our blue logo mm-hmm. that we have and it's super cool but yeah we want we want some merch ideas so if there's episodes that we've covered things that we've said right anything like that that sounds good we want you want a special cool ding coral something or other give us some ideas because i am my brain is tapped <laughs> fair enough tapped um, also, be sure to follow us, stalk us on all of our social media. Right. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. All at the Fap Pod. Fap, fap, and fap. on Facebook, we also have the Fap Lounge. So yeah. come and leave your stain over there. Right, right. Yes. And on that, in the Fap Lounge, we kind of want to know what your perspectives are on Dean and David's early life. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's. It's a weird one for us, so... Yeah, we want to know what you guys are thinking, too. Are you guys thinking the same thing? Do you guys do you guys have another thought that we haven't said yet? Mm-hmm. Uh, let us know, because in the beginning of next week's episode, we'll kind of hit on any of those. Right. You know? Right. And also, Patreon, we have some stuff. Yeah, and we will be getting more stuff coming up on Patreon. We're actually going to put up a poll on Patreon and also on social medias for episode suggestions on certain different topics, stuff like that and uh we're gonna start kicking out some patreon only episodes so yes yes because we owe you guys some of those big time well we owe you guys a lot and thank you for your patience yeah. uh yeah, yeah yeah and we have karen from the stat podcast and we have guys over from the getting off podcast are also a part of our patreon family oh shit oh oh shit and they are so great and i love them so <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.
I'm not laughing at you guys. I thought of something and I almost said she something. almost made a great big boo boo. Yeah, I almost said something that is like a weird. Anyways, doesn't and matter. Anyways, anyways, um, we have got some stuff in the works. We are for our Patreon folks that have stuck around and been around. We are getting some things all gathered up and piled up and squared away and and boxed up. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. So yes, we uh, haven't forgotten. Forgot. promise we haven't forgot but we're one step at a time you know we're getting there oh yeah yeah, yeah. this is this has been super awesome we've loved all the feedback that mm-hmm. we've been getting right um, best way that you guys can help us out if you do love us want to force feed us to your friends that's always great right uh, word of mouth absolutely helps out a lot yeah but you know what else helps out as much if not more hmm. go to itunes review us on itunes yes Any i hate itunes iTunes. I have had nothing but hell with iTunes for the last oh fuck ever 15 years. I can't tell you how many times iTunes has been like, "Oh, your library?" Just kidding. Oh yeah, they've deleted our whole library many times. Like five different times. Oh, that's cruel. Right. We have so much music. That said, still go that go rate us, us on iTunes cuz that helps us immensely. That gets us out there, that gets us more known. That gets um, us out to, there to the bigger peoples that can help us to where we can maybe make this more of a full-time thing. Oh yeah. Well, and and I'll be honest with you that's that's kind of the goal is to get me out of a truck and get this going and and we can be able to do more mm-hmm. but as it sits right now i'm averaging 12 to 14 hours a day behind the wheel bombing down the road and we make this work when we can so yeah so yeah even just a simple review will will help out so much but yeah as far as keep an eye out on social media and stuff because we have a list 800 miles long on topics that we we can talk about oh yeah and there are some topics that i want to be able to go down rabbit holes oh yeah and we both want to completely dive into but we're really i not sure exactly which one to go so we'll throw a couple up that we were thinking that we want to do and we'll sure. let you guys choose sure well in that said we've had quite a few different people already contact us and say hey what about this check out this look into that mm-hmm. keep them coming yes i've been Absolutely trying to keep them coming because there's there's been things that people have have brought to our attention that geographically we never knew about mm-hmm. but in their little neck of the woods man it's a big deal right exactly. so bring those things to us because do we want to do the big heavy hitters like dean coral and john wayne gacy and all those people absolutely but we also want to do the little known, the mm-hmm. not known, the, mm-hmm. you know, the unknown. I mean, and that's part of the reason why we're also going to cover stuff like Bigfoot and... Foot, foot? Yeah, foot, foot. <laughs> foot, 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 four points. So fun story about that. We'll explain <laughs> that when we get to a Bigfoot episode. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> But please do. Don't be shy. Get a hold of us. Let us know. And oh. and we're we're getting there. We're I mean, we can only do one at a time, obviously. Right. Well, and there. a lot of a lot of problems is people will suggest something and I will get right on it. But when I start looking into something, I find something else out within that same episode, right. you know, within that same vein. Right. And then we go deep down that. Like, I think somebody suggested to us that we should do haunted mental hospitals. Right. And that brought you the Kirkbride episode. Yeah, which I mean it was it was a lot of fun and now we can do a whole other episode just telling haunted stories. Right, right. We were actually still trying to collect 
stories from you guys, our listeners, as far as if you have any like ghost stories, just weird, oh yeah, creepy stories that happened in your past, like stories that aren't going to be big enough to have like their own personal thing, but we want to do a cool little collective. Right. right. We want to actually do a listener episode on mm-hmm. stories from the listeners. So shoot us an email of your story. Whatever if, story it is. Yeah. Whatever it may be. If it's haunted, if it's true crime, true, yeah, whatever. If it's just, you know, if you had an interstellar butt in touch, childhood. what <laughs> I said, if you had an interstellar butt touch, oh, if you were probed by an alien, you better be emailing us right now at the fat pod at gmail.com because <laughs> I have so many questions, right? But like, is it cold when it happened? Like, <laughs> fuck. but really, I mean, hit us up, let us know. Uh, yeah, we'll have some fun with it that way. So yes, beautiful. Oh, well, ladies and gents, this is trying to think of, Oh, big apologies oh. to anybody else who was still having, if anybody else was still having issues as we were switching our hosting site, right? All of that, that all should be fixed now and should never happen again. Mm. Hopefully. Right. Um, but I actually, I, I really like our new hosting site. It's working out really well for us. So that is good. And it was inconvenient for sure, but it has the potential to help us out a lot as well. Yes. In our future. And please know this, whatever pain you've been going through on not being able to find us on certain, on your favorite players. Oh my goodness. Please know we've felt all of that. Yeah, we were right there with you. Don't worry. (laughs) Oh, that first day you want to talk about a mad, mad son of a gun. Woo. I was mad enough that I called Ember at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> she was sound ass asleep and I was like, nope, nope, nope. Not going to tolerate it. Not going to stand for it. This is unacceptable. And she's like, hey, hey, breathe. It'll be okay. The hell it will. Our <laughs> listeners aren't getting our episode. This is bullshit. It uh, happens. It happens. No, it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, he's got. he's had to learn the, the growing pains of switching hosting <laughs> sites or, you know, anything, anything else that happens because there's something always happens. Right, right. Life happens. It does. Oh, also, um, if anybody's going to be heading out to CrabCon, you might be able to find some of our stickers out there. Our stickers? Our stickers. We will not be at CrabCon, but our stickers will be. Yes. In fact, I should probably send those off today. Probably should. Yeah. Probably should. That would be smart. Sweet. Anyways, be sure to stop on by and play in the Fap Lounge with us, and we will see you next week as we go into probably the heaviest episode of the three. Mm-hmm. Should be lots of fun. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anything funny to say, and I, I've got nothing right now. <laughs> well, since she can't think of anything funny to say, I'm just going to say see you kids next week. All right. Sounds good. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Nick. And I am Rob, and we are the Brohio Podcast. We cover all the unknown and much more. Aliens, true crime, famous murders, monsters, paranormal, and everything that goes bump in the night. We keep it funny, slightly trashy, and sometimes we like to talk about crapping our... Nick, 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 we are trying to make a good impression here. Right, right. You can find us on all your favorite podcast apps. We drop new episodes every Monday. We are a member of the Bomb Pod Media Network. We'd love to talk to you on Instagram and Twitter at Brohio Podcast. And the Bros of Brohio do appreciate you listening. We will see you on the dark side. <laughs>